Hey guys, just jumping on real quick here to talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard of it, Anchor is through Spotify. It's one of the easiest ways just to be able to produce a podcast. It's got everything you need in just one place. So Anchor has the tools. It allows you to record, edit, do everything you need to make a podcast right from your phone or your computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many different more. It's an awesome tool. I love using it. I've been using it for a little bit now. And the cool thing about it is it's absolutely free. So if you're interested in starting up a podcast, if you're interested in getting involved in podcast work, then download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. How to set boundaries with a narcissist. Time and time again, people ask, how do I set these boundaries? Like, what do boundaries look like? I haven't had boundaries in my life. I don't even know what boundaries are. How am I supposed to actually work on setting these in the narcissistic relationship that I'm in? Is it safe for me to set them? How do I set them? Like, where do I even start? So I want to give you today seven tips about how to set boundaries and strategies for like dealing with those and putting those in place. Because it's something that if you haven't grown up like learning about boundaries or understanding those, this concept seems really foreign and seems really confusing for a lot of people. If you don't know who I am by now, my name is Ben Taylor. I run Raw Motivations. I'm on this platform and several others to provide awareness, growth, healing, and change. If you're watching right now on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. Please go and follow on any of the other platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook. Go on all those platforms. I'm under Raw Motivations. We'd love to interact with you there as well. We drop nuggets of truth every single day to try to be able to help give you awareness, give you closure, give an idea of what's actually going on. A lot of times I meet with people on a one-on-one basis to be able to talk to them about breaking free from that narcissist, whether that's actually physically getting away and setting up an exit strategy, or whether that's you're already away and it's in your mind. How do I break the trauma bond of constantly ruminating about it, about wanting to go back to her, about wanting this to happen? And so I talk with people on a day-to-day basis. The main majority of people that I meet with is narcissistic abuse survivors that I talk to and try to help like coach and work them through how to change the mindset, how to rewire that mindset so they're not constantly getting pulled back or sucked back into that toxic relationship. I do, however, meet with narcissists as well. It's a small percentage of the people I meet with. And unfortunately, a lot of times they don't come back because they're not interested in finding that growth, healing, and change. Oftentimes when I meet with a narcissist, it might be one time and they're just seeking validation of either who they are or trying to convince themselves that they're not a narcissist or whatever it might be. That's typically what's going on and what's happening there. So just want to kind of share a little bit of what I do. If you want to join a community that's about growth, healing, and change, check out the NARC app. It's Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Community. Just type in N-A-R-C into the Google Play or the App Store. Download that. We've got over 4,000 people who have been on that app who have you know been able to look at the courses, be able to track their no contact, record their truth, engage, ask advice of other people who have been through the same crazy stuff that you've been through or that you're going through right now. So check that out. We've got weekly lives that are exclusive in there. We've also got monthly coaching where we bring in different coaches from all across the country to be able to help you grow, heal, and change and continue forward in your personal development and in your growth. 
Anyways, diving in real quick about boundaries. So I want to give you some strategies for setting healthy boundaries. What we're going to be talking through is Julie Hall's book, The Narcissist in Your Life. We've got seven of them that I want to be able to give you today to try to give you an idea of how am I actually growing? How am I changing? How am I working on implementing these so that I'm safe and so that I am actually focused on these boundaries? Because it's so easy for people to not understand. So take some notes, write a couple things down because this is going to help you with setting those boundaries. A lot of us think, get in the place where you think like, hey, I don't know what normal, healthy boundaries even look like. It says in here, sometimes the worst models in life teach the most important lessons and not repeating your parents' abuses or your partner's abuses and manipulations can be your best guide. Boundaries show us where we and others begin and end, what is needed and not needed, and what is allowed and not allowed. These are flexible enough to enable us to connect with others while being defined and strong enough to support our own healthy individual identity and comfort zone. So number one, tune in to your feelings. Listen to yourself. Practice introspection. The more you practice attuning with your feelings and exploring what they mean, the better you get at it. If you feel anxious, afraid, resentful, for example, it may indicate that someone is violating your boundaries. Similarly, if you're procrastinating or ignoring something, it may be because you feel your boundaries are threatened. Keeping a journal, taking time for deep breathing, or talking with a trusted friend can help make you more aware of your feelings. Understanding first, like, just what's going on. So many people, when they look back on the relationship, they're like, yeah, I saw that red flag, or yeah, that was a boundary that they broke. But a lot of times it's easy to desensitize it and be like, yeah, it's no big deal. Like they're just acting this way. They're just immature. Like they care about me. They're just, you know, whatever it might be. A lot of times we push those down. So tune into your feelings, understand how you're connecting. What are some of those red flags that you're feeling inside your own body of what's actually happening? Number two, give yourself permission to say no. Although you may have not had permission to say no to your parents or your partner, healthy people say no and accept no in stride when without guilt or resentment. No lets other people know that you're comfortable doing or not doing what you are comfortable with and them or them not doing. As an adult, you need to accept the important role of no in your life and learn to assert it with your parents or your partner for your own emotional well-being. If you have children, part of your job as a loving and responsive parent is to set appropriate and safe limits for your kids, which oftentimes includes saying no. Saying no is really hard for a lot of people to do, especially people pleasers, people that want to fix other people. Like They always want to give, 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 which is great and amazing, and it's a superpower for a lot of people. But being able to have healthy boundaries and saying no whether that's, no, I'm not going to engage with that. Like, no, I don't have the time and energy to put in that effectively. Like, you have to also take care of yourself. And you can't do that if you're extending yourself everywhere. So learning how to say no can be one of the most powerful tools in your personal life, in your professional life, and just in life in general. Part of the reason why you say no is because of number three, caretake yourself. Oftentimes, when you're in a relationship, you don't get the chance to be able to take care of yourself. Your feelings don't matter. Your emotions don't matter. All these different things don't actually matter. All that matters is the narcissist, whether that's the parent, the partner, whoever it might be. That's what matters most importantly. We all have needs that do not go away. And as an adult, now it is your job to work on meeting those needs. Part of maintaining healthy boundaries is recognizing and respecting your need for self-care. That means taking time for yourself, practicing healthy habits, relaxing, and making time for fun. All those things that you didn't get, either growing up in a narcissistic family or being with a narcissist, you have to be able to look at and say like, hey, 
I need to also make myself a priority. Make myself a priority in my healing, my growth, and my change. If I don't, then it's only going to go to this person because that's all they want out of that relationship. Number four, reach out. You've been trained to internalize blame and keep your family affairs private and often isolate yourself as a result. Setting healthy boundaries doesn't mean doesn't just mean only saying no. It also means opening yourself up to new experiences and saying yes to getting closer to people who are trustworthy. Emphasis on the trustworthy part. Getting close to people who that can help support you grow, heal, and change. It's one of the reasons why we developed the NARC app. And we're excited to see more people get that every single day to be able to help other people grow, heal, and change. So I want to be able to have you guys involved in that as well. But reach out. You need to have a support. You need to have a community that's behind you, supporting you as you grow, as you work through all this craziness. Because otherwise, it's so hard to hold those boundaries with one person when you've got no one else actually there to help support you. All right, number five, seek safe support. So you learn to ignore your own feelings and needs in service to the narcissist demands. Unbearing your needs with a trusted counselor and with people who understand is essential for processing the trauma of the past and moving beyond it. Note that it is vital to find a therapist or a coach conversant with narcissism, since those who can who are not can unwittingly invalidate your feelings and experience and trigger old trauma. The same is true for pastors, friends, and other members of your social circle. Confiding in others who do not understand narcissism can backfire, leading to misunderstanding, judgment, and ill-advised suggestions. You've probably seen this the most clearly in your relationship is when you got out of the relationship or when you got out of like the parent dynamic with a narcissist parent or anything like that. And someone was like, what's the problem? Like, just leave. Like, just stop talking to him. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Those are the people that are not safe support. Okay, so find people that are safe support, that know, that understand, that can see the stuff that you've been through. There's a lot of people out there that don't understand narcissistic abuse, that say we're just stigmatizing it, or that say like, hey, like this isn't something that actually needs to be said or put out there. But then there's 100 other people that are like, that's what I resonate with because I understand and now I know what's actually going on where I thought it was just crazy before, now I actually have a name that I can put to it so I can work on my healing, growth, and change, and I'm not just the crazy person. Find someone in your life that's going to make you feel seen, safe, and heard, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a coach, anyone like that that can help you work on your growth, on your healing. Number six, be direct. This isn't easy, but being direct about your boundaries, what you do and what don't want and will or won't do is important or being a functional adult. Becoming direct about your needs and limits may feel awkward at first, but it will get easier with practice. Directness with narcissists is another matter. However, and it might be wiser to set boundaries without telling them or what, what you're doing or why. If anyone is on the path of least resistance, it's you. Sometimes you have to be direct and you have to be at a place where I'm not willing to engage with this conversation because it's only going to lead to further abuse or further argument. Last one we got, understand your responsibilities. Since you've been burdened with responsibilities for your demanding narcissistic partner or parent and or have made you feel helpless and dependent on that person, you probably have a distorted sense of how much responsibility you do or you don't have. This is really key here. Here's some guidelines. So I want you to think of this. You're not responsible, whether it's your partner or your parent can apply either way. You're not responsible for the other person's self-esteem, happiness, relationships, treatment of you, treatment of others, inappropriate and embarrassing behaviors reputation with others, expectation, 
the hap their happiness and their treatment of you. What you are responsible for is how you react, how you react to your parents, to your partner, to other family members, how you maintain boundaries with your parent, your partner, and other family members, how you manage your expectations, your choices, your relationships, your health, your attitude, your behavior in that family dynamic, and you're responsible for getting your needs 